He brushed off its wounds And then watched it soar into the sky If he's mindful of creation On this I can depend Ah!
can trust Jesus. He takes care of me. Offering next Sunday, Michael will mention that a little bit later, but there'll be a special offering next Sunday. But today is our regular Sunday tithes and offerings, just one offering. You give as the Lord directs, and I know he'll uh, bless you for it. And uh, uh, would you please lead us in our offering? We were just thinking about uh, your loss and Marty and uh, Helen and I were discussing that. Our prayers are still with you and lifting you up. And uh, we know that there's a real emptiness in your home and family now. And uh, Helen and I don't want to fail to remember to pray for you along with many other in the church. Can you pray for us this morning? Yes, yes, dear Lord. Amen.
of this world sometimes I just need a word from heaven that everything's okay I try to walk by faith but sometimes I'm so afraid and I cannot see how God can make a way 
But then I think He's never failed me Never left me Not one time have I cried out And my voice He has not heard Never failed me And He won't start trouble that you feel and those burdens they are real and I know you feel that God has forsaken you but child don't lose your faith because he's working while you wait so just hold on and he will bring you through he's never look at me now. Uh, it's a great song and we've been doing a lot of uh, going through the minor prophets on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights and uh, I can honestly say, I mean even, I've, it's amazing what the Lord has taught me as we've been doing that. But then also as we've been looking at it, what has also been a blessing to me is that prophecy has an important role in our life as a believer. We believe in preaching the whole book, amen? amen. Uh, and sometimes you look back at that stuff and you go, well, why in the world do we have that? What's, what's going on? But one of the things that has been sticking out to me as we've been talking about it and as we keep looking at it is that prophecy shows us over and again that if Jesus Christ, if God was faithful to do back then what he said, then he's going to be faithful to do what he said now. And Sometimes, let's just face it, it gets tough. And you wonder, is God really going to come through? Is this really going to happen? Let's just face it, oftentimes, is, is he going to come back again, right? Let's just, 
be honest, right? You ever feel like that? Is that really true? Man, you get back in the Old Testament, and uh, there was a Wednesday night here, and man, I was preaching, and it was talking about just down to just down to so specifically about Jesus Christ coming the first time, about what, how he would come, what he would do. And I'm like, man, if God's word is so specific and true, and if it was faithful that he would come the first time, then it's faithful he's going to come the second time. Amen. And it's also faithful about who Jesus Christ is, his character, and what he is. And man, the word of God is true and sure. And I'm thankful that that same Jesus Christ that died on the cross of Calvary for us one day, all the time ago, one day he's coming back, amen? And the Bible says that that same blood that he shed for us is on his vesture to prove, it's on his clothes to prove that he's the same one and the same Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be no doubt who Jesus is what he's done. Let's praise him this morning for who he is and what he's done.
somebody as the choir comes down. Good morning. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter number 18. Acts chapter number 18. I want to make mention of two little announcements. The first one being for the, the trunk or treat that's next week, our fall, our harvest fest. Uh, we got a lot of people that signed up, and it's wonderful. It's awesome. A lot of trunks. Uh, but the trunks and the whole thing is going at the same time. So we do need a couple more workers. Maybe you're a young adult teenager. We need a couple more workers. So if you could see Allison, you could see Shannon, uh, you could see Becky back there, April. They can help you out with they stood up before. And then the other thing that I want to make mention of is uh, we've been praying for the Dewey family. We love them. And uh, it's so wonderful. Uh, it's encouraging to a pastor to watch them praise the Lord in the storm. And uh, there's no doubt that they are going through uh, the biggest storm that any of us could even imagine. And we can't even imagine what they're going through. And watching them praise the Lord has been uh, a blessing to me as a pastor. And uh, there's no doubt, there's no doubt that as a pastor, when I walk with families through these things that the faithfulness of God, the grace of God, the, it just, it never ceases to amaze me. I often, there's so many times that stuff happens and we think, what, what's this family going to do? And they, they step up, they do amazing things, they, they just, they keep going on and they, they bless me way more than I ever, I think, do anything for them through all of it. And so, no exception with the Dewey family. And uh, so, next Sunday morning, we are going to take up a love offering for them. I had lots of questions about giving to them, different things like that. But uh, we, uh, we, we did this for some of our, we did it for Dale when he lost his wife and, and we wanted to help him and we want to do this for them there we just want to be a blessing to them and so this love offering is a completely free will offering if you want to give that's fine if you don't that's fine too but it we want to be a blessing to this family so next Sunday morning we will be taking up an offering for them and we just want that to be a blessing to them and so let's keep praying for them and lifting them up all right in Acts chapter number 18 
I want to read this morning from verses 24 through 28. And I'm so excited this morning to preach this message to you. Oftentimes when we're preaching through a book of the Bible, we come to passages of Scripture that we would be like, well, I normally wouldn't preach from here and this is going to be different. But I'm going to tell you, this one right here, I'd preach from it. I'd preach from it again. And I think as long as it all goes well, I'm going to enjoy preaching it this morning. I hope you enjoy it, but I know I'm going to enjoy it. So there we go. Acts chapter 18, stand with me if you would. Let's read those verses together. Ask the Lord to help us this morning, and then we'll bring the message that God has laid on our heart. The Bible says this, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, he came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much, which had, had, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again to be here this morning. We're thankful for the choir that lifted our heart, helped us to praise you this morning. And now, dear God, we are trusting in the sufficiency of the Word of God to go out this morning and do a work in someone's heart and in someone's life that needs it. Dear God, I know you've laid a message on my heart that I'm excited to preach. I know that you've put these things in here. and We want to be careful this morning to say exactly what you want to be said. We want to present the Word of God clear. We want to present the Gospel clear. We want you to be exalted in everything that we do. Dear God, we believe, just as it was said right here, that, dear God, it is the Word of God, the Scriptures, that convince people that Jesus is the Christ. And this morning, that's what we want to do. We want to open up the Scriptures and show to those that need it that Jesus indeed is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So help us this morning to use them clearly and precisely. We love you. We love your word. We pray that you'd use it in a mighty way this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated. We got a, we got a packed uh, piece of uh, scripture right here. Uh, as a matter of fact, I almost had a hard time figuring out which, which direction I wanted to go as I preached it. We were in the book of Acts last week, and we saw how that Paul, he's passing uh, through these different churches, and he's working at Corinth, he's working at Ephesus, and he's doing this work, and God puts people with him, and uh, uh, does great things for him, and, and it's absolutely wonderful. And then as we come to verse 24, they're on this amazing ministry, 
When we come to verse 24, we see that God introduces us and the word of God introduces us to a new character and that is a man named Apollos. Now, Apollos is mentioned several times throughout the New Testament and we see that he is right from the beginning. We see what kind of man he is and what he is able to do. And in verse number 24 that we read, he's an eloquent man and he's mighty in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, you might be more, you might even be more familiar with him from the book of 1 Corinthians itself. And over in the book of 1 Corinthians, you might remember that passage of scripture where Paul says, why is it that some of you say, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, why is it that some of you say that you're of Cephas and others that you're of Paul and others that you are of Apollos? And if you know anything about that, and I'm, I don't really want to get too deep into this this morning, I just want to give you a little bit of background of Apollos. You could go and study this stuff because it's wonderful. That in that church there was division, and they would point to almost as it were their favorite preacher and be like, hey, we're followers of Paul. We're followers of Cephas. And Paul points out to them, listen, we have all preached the exact same gospel message to you. We have not come in here and, and as preachers sown this division. And this is a, a, a beautiful thing. I don't want to preach 1 Corinthians again because we talked about this when we went through the letters. The fact that sometimes it's not the preachers that are making that division. It's, the, it's God's people. They come along and pick their favorite preacher. Well, he's got to be the right one and and even so to the fact that we were specific about this, that you, sometimes people just decide who they're going to go preach because that's who they like. And they won't, that's just the way, that's, that's how they decide where they go to church. That's not how you figure out where you go to church. Whether or not you like that preacher or his preaching style or whatever. As a matter of, I guess, I guess we're here, I'm going to park there for a minute, Okay. You find a place to go to church where you can exercise your spiritual gifts and be used for the purpose of the furtherance of the kingdom of God. You might have to go to a church where you don't like the preaching. Mm, man, it's quiet, amen? You might have to go to a church, you might have to go to a church where you don't like the singing. You might have to go to a church where they don't have any singing at all. But God wants to use you in that place and use you in that church. And your spiritual gift can be used to its fullest potential in that place. Imagine if the congregation of God's people were more concerned about using their spiritual gift, about working in a church, about going to a place where they could work the most rather than what they would get out of it the most. Mm. Wow, I think we would have some amazing churches. I think we would have some places where God's kingdom would grow in amazing ways. As a matter of fact, sometimes we need to be ready and willing also to even let go of people from our church so they can work and exercise their spiritual gifts in other places. It's hard, but we watch that happen all the time. We've sent out a lot of preachers from this place. We've sent out missionaries. We've sent out workers to other places. 
We've watched as folks that we love and people that we've served as deacons in the church go to another place so that they can serve and work in that place. Those are good things, using those gifts. And when we see this, Apollos, Cephas, Paul, there was no division among them. And I say all that, and again, I got off on something I shouldn't have, but I say all that to say Apollos was a faithful preacher of the Word of God. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, earlier on in the scripture than what we read, Paul says this. He said, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it. He said, Apollos watered it. And I want to just say this about that. I believe that that simple phrase is a testimony of his faithful pastoral ministry at the church at Corinth. See, Paul, Paul was an evangelist. Paul was a missionary. Paul was the guy that came in and he preached the word of God and lots of people got saved and there was excitement and there was, there was uh, lots of stuff going on. So much so that most of the time, Paul couldn't even stay in the town because he'd caused so much trouble, right? That was Paul's M.O. And so you had a church here that start and then Paul leaves. And you know what? We don't know about everybody, but we know about the church at Corinth that this man, Apollos, was faithful there. And he ministered and he preached the word of God and he was a good pastor to the church at Corinth. And so this morning, I want us to look at this. I want us to look at Apollos. I want us to look at what is it? This is in my introduction first. I want us to look at what, why, why was he a good preacher and why was he a good pastor? I want us to look at those three things and then we're going to go on and look at the kind of preaching that I believe is still the best preaching. We're going to look at that here this morning. Now you know why I'm so excited to bring you this message. It's right up my alley. Amen? And I, I'm excited to do that this morning. So what I want us to look at is this pastoral preaching that... that uh, Apollos was able to do, and I want us to look at it. What made him a good preacher? Now, I want us to go to verse number 25. We'll find what we need right in verse number 25. The first thing that I want you to know is that he was instructed in the way of the Lord. He was instructed in the way of the Lord. I want to put this little blurb right in there as we go to this right here. Pastors should have some instruction and some understanding and take some time and learn how to preach, okay? I understand that we, we, we want to have, and I'm going to address this in just a moment, but we, we take these things serious. Your pastors should take it. And I know you're probably thinking, Mike, we know that you, our pastors do that and the ones that get out. But I just want this to be said so that we understand. Maybe you are going to go to another place. Maybe you are going to serve somewhere else. Maybe you need, maybe you're going to hear other preaching. We've talked about this before. Maybe you're going to listen to, I, I encourage you, listen to preaching all week long. It'll help you. It'll strengthen you. But I want you to have an understanding of what is good preaching and Preachers should take the time to be instructed of other preachers, other pastors, so that they can open up the Word of God and preach it correctly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead. Again, I'm, I'm already there. I'm already hitting these. I do not enjoy it. 
And as a matter of fact, it's a little bit frustrating when I hear preaching that is just pulled. The best way I can put it, that it's just scatterbrained. Is that okay? Can I just say it like that? You ever sat through under something like that and you're just like, he said a lot of stuff, but I'm not sure what the point was, right? He had a bunch of statements that on their own maybe had some merit and maybe they sounded good, but there was no place that we were going in the end, right? And then at the end, he was like, you all sure all ought to get saved. Aren't you glad Jesus died for you? Come on forward and get... No, we should take the time to learn our craft, to learn what we are doing, to form a message that is biblical in its foundation. Guess what? There is a biblical way to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a way that the scriptures has shown us to present Jesus Christ. That's exactly what they're talking about with Apollos, that he was, he was versed in the scriptures. He could use them in an amazing way. And he could come in and he could show them from the scriptures, not because of his own logic or not because of a fancy story or not because of tugging on heartstrings or whatever, but he could take the Bible and say, look, this is Jesus Christ. He's the son of the living God. He's the Messiah that was prophesied of. This is Jesus. And you know what? A preacher ought to be able to take the word of God and show us Jesus Christ out of every page and out of every scripture. He ought to be able to do it. He was instructed in the way of the Lord. This is my introduction. There's three points to my introduction and three points to the other part but you're still with me, amen? At least I told you before we got started, amen? So you knew, all right? Choir didn't sing as long this morning. I'm feeling a lot of liberty, amen? There's lots of time on the clock left, amen? Lots of time left on the clock, amen? Number two, look at this again. Our outline is right in verse number 25. He was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit. I still believe that there ought to be some fire in the pulpit. Amen. I still believe that when the man of God gets up with a message from God in his heart, that it ought to burn in his heart. And when he presents it to the people of God, that there ought to be some enthusiasm. There ought to be some fire. There ought to be some, some compassion. There ought to be, you should be able to tell that he knows what he's talking about, but he also cares what he's talking about. I want to tell you, I know a lot of times in, as we move into whatever you want to talk, modern preaching and stuff like that, that, that you know, you see more preachers that maybe they're a little more eloquent and maybe, uh, and I know from time to time, I, I, on a Wednesday night, maybe I don't get quite as fired up uh, or, or all those things and it might be more teaching and all of that stuff. And there is a time to deliver the word of God with seriousness. But there's also a time when the fire and the compassion and the fervency of the Word of God ought to be delivered in a way that it's real and it's genuine. We don't want to just get excited for excited sake, amen? I don't want to run up and down the, the aisle just to make you go, well, man, Mike really went crazy this morning. I don't want to jump on top of the pew and jump up and down just because you it excites somebody. No, I want a real fire. Notice what he says, what he says about this. And being fervent in the spirit. 
He wasn't fervent in his own ideas. He wasn't fervent in his own charisma. He wasn't fervent in the fact that he, uh, he was able to hold your attention better than anybody else. He was fervent in the Spirit. The Spirit of God would move upon him. And as he would deliver the message, he was sure that this message, listen at this, this is good right here. He was sure that this message was for this people on this day at this time. And God was just putting it inside of him that the people that you stand in front of need this message right now. And listen at this. That this, for somebody in that congregation at this time, this might be the most important moment of their entire life. And you say, Michael, that seems a little bit far-fetched for you to bring such a thing like that into a time like right now. But let me tell you, if you're in the pew right this morning and you're trying to decide whether or not you're going to follow Jesus Christ, whether or not you're going to give Him your life and follow Him completely, this is the most important moment of your entire life. This is it right now. And he realizes that and the Holy Spirit moves on him the urgency of the hour and the desperateness of the need and that men and women are still standing over hell in danger of falling in. But Jesus Christ has paid the price so that no man, no woman, no boy or girl in here ever needs to walk through the fires of hell. It puts a fervency that the Holy Spirit moves. There ought to be some fire in the pulpit. Number three that we see right in our text right here. He spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Faithful. Faithful ministers to the word of God. He taught diligently. I think that speaks for itself. I'm not going to keep going on that. Now you'll notice in our passage that we read today Again, I'm thankful so much for the Word of God and how beautiful this passage of Scripture is. That here is Apollos at Ephesus. God and God's people see that Apollos has, has a, a gift from God. But at the moment, and it's so beautiful as we see the first century church coming about, that we see Apollos here, even though he's speaking of some of these things, he doesn't fully understand about Jesus Christ. And Aquila and Priscilla, faithful, faithful friends of Paul, faithful members of the church, come along to him and they show him, notice what it says in verse 26, they expound unto him the way of God more perfectly. This is a great, this is also another great testimony of Apollos. He hears of, of Jesus Christ he hears, and that's exactly what they're talking about, that Apollos didn't have a complete understanding. He was only baptized into the baptism of John. Next week, Lord willing, or next time I preach from the book of Acts, we're going to see that in chapter number 19. That's an important phrase you need to lock away in your memory, the baptism of John. And he, this was the only baptism that he had, and he wasn't fully aware of the power of Jesus Christ and what was going on. But when that was expounded to him, when that was shown to him, he immediately made that the number one priority. And I love that. And because of that, the Lord moves on him. We see in verse number 27 
that he goes to Achaia. If you look at the maps in the back of your Bible, you'll see that Achaia is down there in the southern part of Greece, and the city of Corinth would be there as well. That's where we see that his ministry takes its flourishing in the church at Corinth, where he works for the Lord, a church that Paul has already planted. They send letters to them and tell them, listen, they said Apollos is a great preacher. And then, this is the second part of our message, as it were. I couldn't really call it an introduction. It's more like two parts. The second part of our message comes to us from verse number 28. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. This is what our preaching is all about. So we already looked at why, what made him a good preacher. We see those qualities in him before he even started preaching Jesus Christ, necessarily. We see the qualities present in him. But now what I want us to look at is this preaching that Apollos did in Corinth, why do I believe? Why do I think it's important? And what makes it still the best preaching and the preaching that we need today? Now, I want to I be careful with this and qualify it a little bit with something. It's easy for us to look at this and say, okay, when Apollos preached to the Jewish people, right, he used the scriptures and explained to them how Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And we can go very easily and say, well, that makes sense. They're Jewish people who are schooled in the scriptures, who understand it. So when he presents Jesus to them, the light bulb goes off and they get saved. Well, Michael, we're not preaching to Jewish people today. We're not preaching. We're preaching to Gentiles. We're preaching to people that don't know the scriptures. We're preaching all these things. So the temptation for us is that we're going to have to come up with some other better way to preach and to show Jesus Christ. Well, I want to go out on a limb here real quick and say there is no better way than the scriptures to preach Jesus Christ. I want to go out on a limb and say, as a matter of fact, I believe the more faithful we can stay to the Word of God, the more effective our preaching is going to be. I believe that if we, can, if we can just get more of this, not less of this, it's going to make all the difference. And here's the reason why, okay? Like I said, it's easy to understand it when you look at the Jew. But I got three things real quick of why the Word of God, the Scriptures, are still the most important and the, our best way of presenting it. Number one, are you ready? You're going to make that outline too, right? Thank you very much. Number one, it's relevant. The Word of God is relevant. When I look at this passage of Scripture, the Word of God was relevant to the Jewish community, but the Word of God is still relevant today. Okay? I know that the temptation is to look at it and go, well, I'm not sure how this fits. I'm not sure how this applies. I'm not sure what's going on. And for us, we think, oh, I've got to be able to communicate to the culture that I live in. Listen, the Word of God is still relevant to the culture that you live in. Why? Number one, it speaks to the nature of man. It speaks to the nature of man. Just this morning, we were across the parking lot in Sunday school, 
And we were reading from the book of Romans, chapter number 7. And as we were reading from the book of Romans, chapter number 7, and it was speaking about us as human beings, Paul says this, the good that I would do, I can't. And the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I do. You ever feel like that? Yep. That's just one tiny example. And the Word of God does it over and over. And it speaks and it describes you to a T over and over and over. And I don't got time to go through it all this morning. But guess what? When we start to jump into this book and dive into this book and know this book like like we should, and it's, it's our daily bread and all of that stuff, then we start to gain the capability to use the Word of God to be more perceptive than anybody else. Do you realize that? You, you, when, we, when we bring stuff to, to the light of the Word of God, it is more perceptive than we will ever be. I hope I was right, and I don't want to put them on anybody on the spot this morning, but in my Sunday school class this morning, Where's some of, who was in my Sunday school class this morning? Raise your hand. Look at them all over the place. Look at these boys right here. There they are. They're everywhere, okay? In my Sunday school class this morning, did it not sound like stuff that you've been through? Now, be honest, all right? Just shake your head. Or maybe one of them just say, uh-huh. Yeah, okay. I can always count on Evie. Thank you, Evie. Yeah, it spoke to, it spoke to who, what's going on today in my life. That's how I felt this week when I was trying to live for the Lord and I stumbled and fall and went, God, I love you. Later on in that passage of scripture, Paul says, I have the will. I have this great desire to follow you and love your law. But then I just walk out of the house and I just cannot seem to find the strength to make it happen. The Word of God speaks to the nature of man, and it's relevant, and it's perceptive, and it's deeper than we could ever imagine. It speaks to the deep parts of man. The Word of God has an unusual ability. Whether, you, whether you're a poet, whether you're one that cares more about logic, it doesn't matter. The Word of God speaks to the deep parts of man. i got to keep moving. Number three. It takes on the challenges of our identity. Those three huge questions, and there's no time to preach all this, but who am I, why am I here, and where am I going? It logically resolves those issues inside of us for those questions. The Word of God does that. It is still relevant. As a matter of fact, I would say it is the most relevant book it's still the world's top-selling book, and God has a purpose for it. We should preach the Scriptures and show them Jesus Christ in them. Number two, it's powerful. Spirit-filled, God-inspired, Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It does a work that we could never do. My most the best, the best illustrations I could come up with, the best stories that I could find will never, ever compare to the power of the Word of God itself. Faithfully preached, wonderfully presented. I need nothing else. I'm going to tell you, I'm not against illustrations. I'm not against 
any of that stuff. They have their place and they have their time. But they should never, they should never take precedent over the Word of God. One of my goals, hopefully, I never want to have one of those sermons where people remember the illustration or the funny story more than the passage of Scripture that I preached out of that day. I want them to remember. I want them to take that home with them and say, that's where we were today. What else can I glean from there? Powerful. It will do it. Outside of it, listen, this is important. Outside of the preaching of the Word of God, we are shallow. We are shallow. And unfortunately, there's a lot of shallow preaching out there. How do I know that it's shallow? Because it can't get you through the week. It's fun for a pep rally on Sunday morning, but it's not enough on Monday morning to encourage me to keep going on for Christ. It's not enough that I can go back to it later and go, oh yeah, I needed that this week. Oh yeah, this week's sermon. Oh, Lord, that's why he preached that on Sunday. When it's Wednesday or Thursday, the week's been long and hard. You wonder if you're going to make your way through it. And then you go back, not to the, what the pastor said, but you go back to the scripture that he used. And it encourages you and it lifts you up. And you're like, that's why he preached that on Sunday. Because it has depth to it. It has reality to it. It's powerful. And number three, it is convincing. For he mightily convinced the Jews. He mightily convinced the Jews. Showing by the scriptures. You know, one of the things that is always on our hearts as pastors, as a matter of fact, I remember many years ago when I was going up to the mission and preaching all the time. Like a lot of times, Harry, we kind of were like looking for somebody to get saved every week, weren't we? You know? You just would go up and you kind of would expect somebody to get saved every week. You almost start to rely on your own ability to convince them to follow Jesus Christ. That's a dangerous game. A lot of Christians have fallen because the man that convinced them to follow Christ failed in the way. A lot of people lose faith in churches, lose faith in congregations because someone that they looked up to failed along the way because it was the person that convinced them to follow Jesus Christ. I want the Word of God to convince you to follow Jesus Christ so that whether or not I fail, whether or not I mess up, that your faith this is exactly what Paul preaches and gives to the church at Corinth, doesn't he? He says, I did not come to you with persuasive words of my own reasoning, but I came to you with the power of the Scriptures so that your faith would not stand in me, but in the power of the Word of God. I don't need to convince you to be saved. I need to trust that the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will do that work. It's his work, not mine. Not mine. It's his work. And here's what's so wonderful about that. He does a whole lot better job of it than I do anyway. I can't do that work. I 
can't convince you. Matter of fact, like we just pointed out so, so wonderfully from the Word of God, it, it wouldn't work anyway. The convincing, convicting power of the Word of God itself is still the most powerful tool that we have. The most powerful tool that we have. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. They come and prepare a hymn of invitation. Hey, listen, the message is simple this morning, is it not? Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ. Gone out on a little bit of a limb this morning to say that this morning maybe you are already aware of what Jesus Christ has done for you. The simple phrase that He is the Christ means He is the one who has paid the price for your sins. He is the chosen one of God to take away the sin of the world. And the sin that's in your life, you need not bear it anymore. The Scriptures convince us of it. They speak always. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, always speaks of Jesus Christ. This morning, you might be sitting here this morning, this might be the biggest moment of your life. You know what? There might have been times before where you felt the Holy Spirit. You heard the Word of God preached and the conviction was real. And you shrugged it off. But now again, the Holy Spirit's here and He's working. This might be the biggest moment of your life will you accept Christ will you accept his free gift will you follow him with your life will you choose for Christ today dear heavenly father thank you for the word of God the power presented in it Lord let it do its work this morning we couldn't manufacture it make it happen but we have been witnesses of the great goodness of God and the saving power. Dear God, we'd love to witness it again this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we stand. Deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He would give His only Son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross. My sin upon his shoulders. A shame.